We are continuing learning the first verse in the Torah, and today we're going to start with a mathematical equation in the beginning. So today we'll start from understanding from a simple mathematical equation or formula as to how many words and how many letters are in the first sentence. So we see in Bereshit bara Elokim et how many words? Seven words. And to save you the effort, 28 letters. Now you know that a, a scribe in Hebrew is called a sofer. But if you really think about it, what is... What kind of translation is that? What does sofer literally mean? To tell a story? It's from the same root as to tell a story. To count. To count. Okay, not right. To count. Okay. Sofer is, it's true, it's connected to tell a story, and book is safer. That means to count. And nowadays, we have different uh, books and explanations about what are called the Bible codes. And if you've ever seen, actually, a book of different computer uh, searches and uh, codes and patterns, so they're very, very awesome. That was a computer takes the Torah and finds all of these mathematical connections that are happening like all over the place. So so far there was and there still is at least somewhat of a mathematical code to the Torah. And a sofer was one who not just wrote the Torah, but he also knew the mathematical code to the Torah. Uh, and one place that you'll see this is even in the art scroll. Look at the end of the art scroll Chumash, and you'll see it will say how many verses are in that parsha. And there's a little Devar Torah from uh, uh, David Feinstein on the meaning of that numerical value of verses as it relates to the Parsha. If you look in the Torah Tidbits, the OU Torah Tidbits, right on the first page, it'll tell you how many verses, how many letters, how many open parshas there are, how many closed parshas there are. Mm-hmm. This is every... Uh-huh. Um, and the Torah Tidbits is not exactly a mystical uh, um, newsletter exactly, but right there. So yes, there are fragments of the mathematical structure underlying the whole Torah. I've been uh, privileged just to get a glimpse of it because Rob Ginsburg is a mathemat- uh, mathematician by 
by by training. So, so, yeah, so his approach to the Torah is, is very mathematical. Very, extremely mathematical. And so what he does with the structure of the Torah is, is amazing. But here we're focusing on a simple reality that the first sentence of the Torah has seven words and 28 letters. What we want to do is try to understand, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? So our premise from the first class is that everything that would ever be created was created on the first day. And we said that this is exactly what modern physics talks about, the Big Bang. Talks about that from the initial point of the Big Bang, everything that would ever be created is just an expansion of that point. Which, when you think about it, is, is a mystical concept, except that it's quantum physics. It's co- modern cosmology. <coughs> that 10 billion galaxies, talking about hundreds of thousands of light years, each light year the odds are all concepts. And we're talking about numbers that, that we don't really have a concept of. I really, really don't uh, have the imagination to really understand how big the universe is. But it came from one point. You mean all the raw material? The raw material. Right. All the humans weren't there in the trees. But the potential the potential for everything any, any everything physical came from that explosion of that first point but we learned that the commentaries say the same thing about how we understand Breshi <coughs> that everything that would ever be created was already created in the first day so what we've been learning is how do we see in the pattern of the first day that truism so here we're looking at the first sentence and we see that the creation is seven days which is an expansion of the seven words of the first sentence the first sentence becomes the model, the paradigm for all creation, physical and spiritual. We learned that Bereshit, the first word, is six letters. And that hints to the six days of creation. And that in the word Bereshit is Shabbat. So Shabbat is already alluded to in Bereshit itself. The seven words of the first sentence are the seven days of creation. And we know that there's a concept that says in the Gemara, Kol Shvi'in Chavivin. All sevens are precious. Mm -hmm. All sevens? Yeah, all sevens are precious. That's why all cycles of time are one way or another connected to seven. Oh, 
Chavivin. The word chaviv. Time is precious. Is that what you mean? Ah, that's that's something. That's also what we can learn. That's also what we can learn. But here, because creation is based on a model of seven days, so that model keeps repeating itself in the weeks, in months. So the the moon is I mean, it's twenty nine and a quarter days is the astronomical length of the moon, but from a uh, a symbolic and even more than symbolic, very organizational way, the month is divided into four weeks. That's when we look at the moon, we relate to the quarter moon, the, what we'll call the half moon, it's actually the, the half moon, after seven days, the full moon after 14, and then it, it, it wanes back to a half moon, and then to the new moon. So it, it's not exactly 28 days, but it's based on that concept. And then there's the counting of the seven weeks between Pesach and Shavuos, the seven months, all three, all the holidays in the Torah which are Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkot, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, all happen in the first seven months of the year. And then we have seven years, and this year is the Shemitah year, the sabbatical year, and then we count seven times seven years, and we have the Yovel year, and then we count 6,000 years of history, and then will come the Messianic Era. Seventh thousandth year will be the Messianic Era. And according to Kabbalah, it continues in bigger and bigger cycles, but all based on sevens. So here we see that it's all in the first sentence of the Torah. That the first, when it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, this we haven't explained yet, the heavens represent all spiritual reality and worlds. The Etaoras represents all material reality and matter. So here again we see that in the first sense of the Torah, everything spiritual and physical that would ever be created was created on not just the first day, but it's in the first sense. And that's the, that's the meaning of et. Because we're told in, in, in the Talmud, every et in the Torah comes to include something not explicitly stated. Because from a grammatical point of view, the word et has no translation there's no translation to et. Et hashemayim ve'et ha'orat. So how do we translate it? God created the heavens and the earth. So there's, it's not even translated. So what is it doing there? It always includes something that's not explicitly <coughs> stated. It says that Rabbi Akiva went through all the ets in the Torah and was darshan and explained them 
from a practical to a mystical level. Some of the, we learn we learn halachas from Eth. We also learn deep mystical ideas from the Eth also. So what are these two Ets in the first sentence? Et Hashemayim. So it doesn't mean what we call just the physical heaven. It means all spiritual reality and dimensions and worlds and beings that would ever be created were created in that statement. Et Hashemayim. Would you say the does it makes it? It includes something that's not explicitly written right there. Because if, um, if you read it simply, as it, in the beginning, God <laughs> created the heavens and the earth. We say it means this earth and our atmosphere. That's what it means, the heavens and the earth. But that's not what it means. It doesn't mean this earth. It means all physical matter. And the heavens means all spiritual reality. And the fact that it does this in seven words is, as we've learned, that everything is more and more mitzamsam. That all seven days of creation can be contracted into what we can learn from the first day. The whole first day is contracted into the first sentence. The whole first sentence is contracted into the first word, and the whole first word is contracted into the first letter. This is what we've been learning this whole time. And even the first letter is contracted into what comes before it. Right? I'm sorry? The dot. Yes. Into the dot of Bereshit. And even what comes before it's not even there. That is the bet we see. But it can be contracted into what we don't see before. The the or self, the infinite light of God, that's the one that becomes two in order to become one. That is our our working formula. God who is one creates a dualistic world, a world that a finite world that is somehow has the appearance of being outside of God's infinite being. <coughs> and then all of creation is there in order to acknowledge and realize the oneness that underlies all. So one becomes two in order to become one. So let's talk about the 28 letters. What word in Hebrew equals 28? A hint. Two letters. Koach. 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 and Chet. Koach. Which means, in one uh, context, potential. Potential in, in Kabbalah and Chassidur is, is called Koach. It's the... It's the potential. Mm. So here, meaning the unrealized friend, as opposed to realized friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is that for koach always, or <coughs> the milah? It depends. What, that's what I said. I said in certain contexts. Yeah. 
Other times, koch means just the opposite. It means the revealed strength. But here, when we're talking about it's called the inner kochot, the inner powers, well, those powers are, are, are mostly not manifest. We, we need to manifest them. Koach and poel. Poel is like an action, and koach is in potential. <coughs> I'm sorry? No, that's Okay. So, for this, we need, to, we need to learn the first Rashi in the Torah. You see a beautiful connection here. Beautiful connection. We could spend the entire class on this Rashi but I'm only going to pick out wh- just what, what we want here with Koach so Rashi brings the, the famous uh, uh, theoretical question that, that Rav Yitzhak brings it why does the Torah begin from Bereshit it could have begun from Achorosh HaZelachem what is a Chodesh HaZelachem? That is the first mitzvah that the Jewish people received as a people. When we were about to come out of Egypt, Avram had gotten Brit Mila, Yaakov got not to eat from the, um, the sinew in the leg, um, Adam and Chava got Puru be fruitful and multiply. But the Jewish people had not received any mitzvah. In the first mitzvah, God says to Moshe, this month will be the first of the months of the year to you. And then proceeds to tell him that now I'm going to take you out of Egypt. This is what you have to do to prepare in the next next few days. So what does it mean that this month is the first of the months to you? So we're told that along with making Nisan the first of the months, it means that God taught Moshe the intricacies of the Jewish calendar and the secrets of time. So the question is, why doesn't the Torah begin with the Chodesh Zelachan? Isn't the Torah a book of instruction? That's what Torah means, Horah, instruction. So why does it turn to start with the creation of the world and all these stories and let's get down to business. The Torah is about mitzvah and instruction. That's, how, that's the first Rashi. So listen to what he answers. So he answers, God began from Bereshit because of, a, he brings a pasuk. Koach ma'asav higid la'amal Letet lehem nachala bagoyin. Koach ma'asav, the power of his deeds. Higid lamo, he told his people. <coughs> Why? In order to give them an inheritance among the nations. And Rashi continues an incredibly important Rashi for today. Literally today. He said, <coughs> the nations of the world will come and say, you stole Eretz Yisrael. 
What are we going to say? So Rashi says, God creates the Torah, begins the Torah from Breshit in order that we'll be able to say from Koach Ma'asav that's what he says Breshit is the power of his deeds he told his people meaning he began the Torah with the account of creation so we'll be able to say to the world God who created heaven and earth he took it from them and he gave it to us that's what Rashi says there's a very deep and important Torah but if you noticed the creation is, is, is being described as Koach Ma'asav the power of his deeds what are the power of his deeds the 28 letters of the first sentence that's why Rashi is bringing this That's what, why does God have to begin from the creation in order to give us an inheritance among the nations because the, the world will ask and is still asking today who gave you the right to Eretz Yisrael what are we going to answer the United Nations so they're going to say Mazel Tov will change the will change the uh, the proclamation the resolution that's what we're going to say to the nations no we say the, 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 the God who created heaven and earth he's the one who gave us the Torah and that's why Rashi said that's why the Torah begins in Bereshit why am I bringing it? We could talk about this at much greater length. But I'm bringing it because of the verse that it brings. Koach ma'asa That this hints to the 28 letters of the first sentence of the Torah. Le'amo, to his people. Le'amo. What I'm going to say is because ma'asa is, is to, to gather in. But it's deeds. And this is my asav with a, a, a vav in the end. I think um, the world needs to know that it's for us. I think the, I was in Tel Aviv a lot. I think the Jews need to know it's. You're absolutely right. No, no, no. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's really sad, but. Absolutely right. The truth is, I'm not going to go there right now. <laughs> but I have one question. Yeah. What is this? Um, you said the secret of time. Yeah. In other words, what does that mean? What is the secret of time? Uh, <laughs> that's another question. That's also a, a different. I, mean, I don't know why it stuck out there yeah. for you. It's just a different. Uh, that was an aside. The um, point is, why? But Yisak says, why doesn't the Torah begin from Achorosh Zelachem? So I'm just explaining what. That mitzvah, that, that Nisan will be the first of the months, is not just that Nisan will be the first of the months. It's the, the, the ability to calculate the entire calendar. <coughs> Those calculations are based on very, very deep philosophical and mystical secrets. Mm-hmm. And one of them is what we said, that the number seven becomes the centerpiece of 
of all cycles of time. All cycles of time. That's one of the secrets of being in tune with Shabbat. Or this year, being in tune with Shemitah. In other words, Shemitah is not just where am I going to buy my vegetables this year? And do I have to put it in a special can in plastic for three days before they rot? Shemitah means are we in tune with a seven-year cycle? Is it really, do we have any awareness of that? That's also another subject. So we see this formula of seven words and 28 letters in one other place in the Torah, which is very, very connected. The sentence before the giving of the Torah says, Vayomer Elohim et kol ha-devarim ha-ela lemor. And God said all of these things, saying. It's one of those sentences that you, it's like, the Torah didn't tell me anything. Right? Like, and God said all of these things, saying. And then it begins, I am the Lord your God who took you out. That's the introduction to the Ten Commandments. This sentence has seven words and 28 letters. The Yomer Elohim et kol hadifarim ha'elah lemor. This sentence has seven words and 28 letters. What's the connection? This will also take uh, some depth, and we will get into it a little bit, is that there are many, many connections between the creation of the world and the giving of the Torah. The, the next Rashi, after this one, reads Bereshit, which we usually translate be means what? In. in. Reshit means beginning. So we usually translate it, and not uh, incorrectly, but in the beginning. Be Reshit. So Rashi says, Bishvil Reshit. For the sake of, knows the, the bet, he in a sense elongates and expands to be Bishvil for the sake of Reshit, for the sake of beginning. And then he says, for the sake of the Torah, which is called Reshit, <coughs> and he brings a verse where the Torah is referred to beginning, and Bishvil Yisrael, Shenikret Reshit, and for the sake of Israel, which is called Reshit. And he brings a verse, Reshit Tavuato, the beginning of his produce, his harvest. So Rashi says, very important question, why, why did God create a world? 
for the sake of the Torah and the sake of Israel. When do those two come together? At the giving of the Torah. And so therefore, we'll add one more Rashi, that on the sixth day, and we all say this in Kiddush every week, Yom HaShishi we begin, we say, on the sixth day, Yom HaShishi. But let's look at the other, let's look at the second day. Does it say Yom HaSheni? Yom HaShlishi? Yom, no. Yom HaRivii? No. Vayi'er, Vayiboker, Yom Rivii. So, the question is, why by the sixth day does it say Hashishi? The sixth day. So Rashi says, very important Rashi, he says, this alludes to another sixth day. Mm. Which sixth day? The sixth of Sima. Which is the giving of the Torah. And Rashi says <coughs> that the, it's as if the world was hung was hanging in balance <coughs> al tanai there was a stipulation that the world would only exist and in fact was only created on the condition that Israel would accept the Torah on the 6th of Siva that's what Rashi says over there so that's why we say Yom HaShishi is to connect Torah and Israel and creation together. So therefore, the sentence before the giving of the Ten Commandments is the exact same mathematical formula as the, the creation of the world. Seven words and twenty-eight letters. So it's like this whole thing was coming to fruition. Yes. In other words, the purpose of creation was now being fulfilled. So therefore, the, the purpose of creation is symbolized in the first sentence, seven words and twenty-eight letters, and now is being repeated. There's one other, uh, I won't call it a verse, but one more saying that has seven words and twenty letters. It is Yehesh Meirava Mevarach Yoilam Olamei Olamaya. Seven words and twenty-eight letters. <coughs> and, then, and, and, and so therefore the this verse. This, this saying becomes uh, the paradigm of sanctify, in a sense sanctifying God's name which is the purpose of creation remember one becomes two in order to be one and so how so how do we uh, not just understand 
or conceptualize the oneness of God. So one way is saying <coughs> my Yisrael. And another way also is Yehesh Shmei Rabbah. It means that his name, his great name, should be blessed forever and all eternity. When do we say that? In Kaddish. In Kaddish. That's the middle part of every Kaddish. And that's every day? Every day. Many times every day. We have one more hint here in, the, in this first Rashi about the, the, the place of Eretz Israel. That it says that the eyes of God are on the land from the beginning, Reshit Hashanah Ad Acharit Hashanah, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And this sentence, we learn a lot from this sentence. Actually, this sentence is the Talmudic proof that God judges the world on Rosh Hashanah. It's from Devarim. It says, because the eyes of God are on the land from the beginning of the year until the end of the year. And through that, they learn that that represents what we call divine providence. What do I mean, the eyes of God? That, that is explained. Anytime it says the eyes of God, or God is looking, it means his providence. So in this Rashi, where he connects the creation of the world to Eretz Yisrael, and because of this verse I just brought you, it shows us the, the center uh, focus of Eretz Yisrael in the, the bigger plan. In the bigger plan. That's why in last week's Parsha, Yaakov <coughs> called the, 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 the place that he had the dream, the temple, and he said, this is the gate to heaven. Like this is this is the gate to heaven. So here we have another uh, incredible idea, and this is also connected with Yaakov's dream that God said to him, "The land that you are lying on, I will give to you and your children." And then it says, "Ufaratsta." And you will spread out to the four directions of the world. So Rashi is bothered, not just Rashi, is bothered by, it sounds like, or you could interpret it anyways, the land that you are lying on means exactly this land that you're lying on, meaning not all of Eretz Israel, but the, the Dalit Amot, that you're lying on, this is what I'll give to your children. And then afterwards it says, oh, and you will spread out. So Rashi says that God folded up all of Eretz Yisrael underneath Yaakov. 
Now for, um, I'm not going to get into this because uh, it's an entire chapter in the book on dreams is understanding this, the secret of space. But what's interesting is that we, we talk about the Big Bang, we talk about Simsum, of contraction, and then expansion. That God created the world through a process of contraction and then expansion. That's the Arizo. The Big Bang says the same thing, that there is a contracted point and then it expanded. But that's the same thing that God says about Eretz Yisrael, that he folded up all of Eretz Yisrael under him and then it expanded. Yeah, Uferatza. So it's that Rashi's commentary. Yes. You'll see it in last week's Parsha. It's okay. <laughs> and that's what it says in the future the holiness of Eretz Yisrael will spread to the whole world that's the ultimate Ufaratsta okay? that's the ultimate spreading out so here it's alluded to about Eretz Yisrael this idea also of contraction and expansion. And you can see it in the borders of Eretz Yisrael. We know how small our little country is. Our country is Mitsumsam. <laughs> it is a very small country. And yet, eventually, its holiness will spread to the whole world. So he had it folded underneath Yaakov so he could bless it with Yaakov? Yeah, in other words, when he, when he said, the land that I'm giving to you, I will give, the land that you were lying on, I will give to you and your children. So, it's, it's metaphorically, how did that happen? Ah, God folded up all of Eretz Yisrael, meaning to say, I'm not talking about just the land you're lying on, I'm talking about the whole thing. But the fact that this concept of folding up the whole land of Israel, this has to do with the what's called the secret of space. Mm-hmm. But here, I, well, just what I'm pointing out is just like the whole of creation can be contracted into the first day and then the first sentence and the first word and the first letter, but then it goes the other direction. That creation is the first letter and the first word and the first sentence and the first day expanding and becomes the model, the archetype, the paradigm of all physical and spiritual creation. And it's the secret of the contraction and the expansion. And I'm just pointing out that we see that in Eretz Yisrael as well. <coughs> and this takes... Um being at your discussion last Thursday with um, we were speaking about um, Yaakov lies and he picks up the tall stones and he makes a pillow and then he picks up all the jewels and it doesn't matter 
But then he actually picks up based on... Uh, once, yeah. He picks up one stone. Exactly, they're all fused, fused together. together. Yeah. So we should just reverse Stephen have dominion over that space. Because right. I was saying, you're thinking like we have, we were like living in Israel, not all of it, but we don't even have dominion over the space that he was named. Right, that's it, know? exactly. And then when that's the hole in the donut. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the, yeah. the, the vacuum <coughs> in the donut. So we, we have all around it, but right in the middle is the hole. <laughs> I can't believe we don't have it. <laughs> I'm a new old lady. No, we're talking about the Temple Mount. Yeah. Oh, okay. Temple Mount. I, I think we, we really do have it. It's an illusion that we don't. You're right. We do if we wanted it. I mean. I mean we do actually have it. It's just. But, but we don't. We're not claiming it. Yeah. Without yeah. in time, we have the illusion. That we yeah. Yeah. That's that, that's also true. I mean, theoretical from a. Um, a military or a, a political point of view, we do control it. But, but successive governments have, have decided in, in, in practice not to control. And that it should only be in theory. So here's, a, here's, here's a, a, an example of, of potential and actual. Mm-hmm. That the actual control is is not there. It's just in potential right now. Not, oh. I mean, and also the whole thing of the Kedusha. I mean, like, it's not the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael, uh, the Kedusha of Yerushalayim. It's, it's all in potential. So apparent. Right, it's all in... It's like... It's, it's so we're no. talking about how the whole world is going to have the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael. I'm saying how why we should feel it here. And yeah. You know, like because, why? Because it's, it's in, in potential now. Yeah. And it hasn't expanded. It hasn't spread. That's what the we will see it. Okay, one more uh, connection to 28. And that is in Kohelet. And what is called to everything there is a season. There are 28 times a time for this and a time for that. There are 14 pairs. Oh. of time. So there's not 28 verses? No, 14 pairs. But altogether there are 28 times and we're told that this represents as we said, like the, the month is 29 and a quarter days astronomically but it's represented by 7 times 4 by 28 times by 28 times and so there also, <coughs> what Shlomo Melech was attempting to do is in 28 times to represent the full gamut of human experience. There's the time to laugh and the time to cry. Time for war and the time for peace. Now that, that, was, that was the idea that in a sense all experience could somehow <coughs> be encompassed in these 28 times. And so this is, again, connected to this idea of the 28 letters of the first verse in the Torah. Okay, now we are going to discuss 
the name of God in relationship to creation. When you notice, by reading the seven days of creation, only one name of God appears. The name Elohim. The name Yudke Vavke does not appear. In the second, what's called, in a sense, the second retelling of the story, right after the seven days of creation, then we go backwards, because we're told that man was created on the sixth day. And then the Torah begins again to tell us about Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and everything happened there. That already happened during the first seven days. But now the Torah is going back and telling us, and it introduces it by saying, Ve'ela toldot shemaim ba'aretz, Behi baram, biyom baro Hashem Elokim et haaretz v'shemayim. So there's a few things we can learn. In other words, all of a sudden we have the name Yud Kei So the the Midrash explains that in the beginning or let's call it in, in the ideal situation, God wanted to create the world through the Midah of Justice, which is the name Elohim. But then God saw, well obviously God saw all along, but God saw that the world could not make it, could not exist only according to strict justice. And therefore, he joined the name Yudke Vavke to creation. So, in other words, really the name Yudke Vavke is there from the beginning as well. But since the first telling of creation is really telling us, at least just on the surface, about really how physically the world came into being and the physical laws of the universe which is represented by the name Elohim and it's explained everywhere that Elohim equals Ha-Teva yeah. not just nature Ha-Teva like Yom Ha-Shishi like Nature with a capital N, the aspect of nature. Hatava. So that's what we see in the first seven days. Is in a sense the the more outside look at creation. And then the name Yudke Vavke is added when we start looking on the inside of what actually happened here. Okay, so this we see if we look at the verse preceding the Ten Commandments. It says, Vayomer Elohim at call of the Varim That's also Elohim that is saying the Ten Commandments. And that's one of the connections between the giving of the Torah and the creation of the world. It's 
both hap- <coughs> happening to the name Elohim. Now, Elohim equals 86. And as we said, it equals Hateva. But it also equals Kli Hashem. The vessel of Yud Kevavke. Elohim equals Kli Hashem. Kli is 60. 26. 26. 86. The vessel of Hashem. And this is explained in Tehillim where it says Shemesh Umagain Hashem Elohim. The sun and its shield is Yudke Vavke Elohim. So Yudke Vavke is represented by the Shemesh. The shield is represented by Elohim. And what it's telling us is that behind the here the shield of the sun really means the rays of the sun but it's also a shield because if the full power of God would be manifest in the world there would be no world it would it would overwhelm the world so the name Elohim of creation is the similar to why we say the Torah begins with a bet and not an Aleph. Because the Aleph represents the Or Ainsof, the infinite light of God. And the bet represents something other. God made space for a finite world, for a dualistic world. So that's where the name Elohim is the name that's used in creation because it was the Magain it in a sense shields us from the full power of the name Yudke Bavke or the Or Enso so that's what it means uh, the sun and its shield but it also means the, the, the flames and that's why the name Elohim equals Kli Hashem. It's the vessel through which Hashem can manifest in the world. So if, if, if you're following what I'm saying, we have a profound paradox here. A profound paradox. In other words, Elohim is revealing and concealing at the same time. Exact same time. Or, we could say it like this, whatever we know of God is what we can see manifest in this world. What else do we know? You look at the world, that's what the Rambam says, if you want to know God, look at the world. Because that's the only, let's say, uh, vehicle we have to understanding God. But at the very same time, God is totally hidden. So that's why the the, the word world, olam, comes from the, the, the verb ha'alam, which means yeah, it's a conceal. 
<coughs> to conceal, to disappear. That's what the Maggid of Mizrach called the divine game of hide and seek. So the name Elohim is the name of Gevura, of judgment. But here it's in the positive sense of the laws of nature. And that's where you can see God the most. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. In the cycles and the laws of nature, that's where we see the miracles of God. That's where we see the miracles of God. Because if not, we would we would know nothing. And if there were no laws of nature, well, we wouldn't be sitting at this table right now. We there would be no order in the universe that would allow life to exist. So it's it's God's great mercy, which is usually mm. <coughs> um, symbolized by the name Yudkevavke, mm. that the world is created through Elohim. Mm. I mean, just the example uh, that I love to to give because if you've never thought about it, it's it truly is mind blowing. As, as we sit here calmly in Simchat Shlomo so the world is rotating on its axis at I don't know, a thousand, a few thousand miles an hour the entire planet is making its rotation around the sun and we're talking about uh, hundreds of thousands of of miles a, a day I'm making up these numbers but it, it's, it's a huge amount to get around the entire sun in 365 days we're traveling tens and hundreds of thousands of miles a day a day 93 million miles no, no it's 93 million miles to the sun straight straight, straight, straight. lines oh, much more much much more much more. Okay. Very fast. <laughs> Our galaxy is also in some type of rotation within the Milky Way. You see the Milky Way, it is a spiral. It's turning. The entire Milky Way is turning. So everything's spinning. Right? And our entire galaxy is like a dot in the bigger picture of, of hundreds of billions of galaxies. And that is also <coughs> somehow. And because of one law, gravity, we're able to sit here as if nothing is happening. As if nothing is happening. That is Elohim. And that is Yudke Vavke. God's great chesed of mercy that allows life to exist by hiding, in a sense, that whole other reality is hidden from us. It's hidden from us. So the name Elohim appears 32 times in the account of creation. 32 times. And this explains the opening of the Sefer Yitzira. The Sefer Yitzira 
one of the most ancient of all Kabbalistic texts. If anyone wants to even scratch the surface of Sefer Yitzirah, Rabbi Aryeh Kaplan wrote a phenomenal um, commentary in English, in English, on Sefer Yitzirah. <coughs> and it begins with 32 wondrous pathways of wisdom. And then it goes on with all kinds of superlatives about God. This is one from Abraham? Yes, it's yeah. attributed to... The New States? No, no. She says that the Sefer Yitzhak is attributed to Abraham Levine. And what's the name of the Sefer? Sefer Yitzhak by Rabbi Ari Kiafa. He did a commentary on it. Well, he translated it. And then come out. He didn't write the book. No, did Abraham write it or did Hashem give it to him? It was a wisdom that was... Uh, transmitted to Avram Avinu that he handed down mm. and like many other Kabbalistic texts it wasn't codified or written down to way later um, it's not clear who actually codified <coughs> though I did hear Rob Ginsburg say once that uh, many opinions say it was Rabbi Akiva mm. But, but it wasn't that Rabbi Akiva wrote Sefer Yetzirah. He received it as a tradition, and it went back and back and back. And according to tradition, at least the, the outlines of the wisdom contained in Sefer Yetzirah was passed to Avram Avinu. And so it begins by saying with 32 pathways of wisdom. So this is a, a, a concept that's repeated many times in Kabbalah, You've probably heard that there are 32 pathways of wisdom and 50 gates of understanding. Hamishim Sha'arei Bina. 50 gates of understanding and 32 pathways of wisdom. Chachma? Yes, Chachma. But it's explained where does this come from? Where? So it's explained that the 32 times that the name Elohim appears in as a creation of the world is the basis of this idea of 32 pathways of wisdom. Could you say that one more time? That the, the let's call it the scriptural source for the concept of 32 pathways of wisdom. Why 32? Why not 40? Mm-hmm. 87? 12? How, where did they come up with 32? So it's connected to the 32 times that the name Elohim appears in Maase Bereshit. And that's why it says, with 32 wondrous pathways of wisdom, God created the world. This is also connected to a much longer Torah, but that the last letter of the Torah is Alamed. And the first letter is the bet. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's on Simcha's Torah that we connect those two together. And that's the that's the lev, which I did mention. That thirty-two equals lev, which is heart. Now there's two places we said in the first telling of the story. The name Yudke Bavke 
does not appear. But there's a place that it appears as Roshi Tevot, meaning the first letter of four consecutive words. And we say this in Kiddush every week. Yom Hashishi Bayachulu Hashemayim. And in many, many um, uh, ventures where they have Kiddush, the name, the, the letters Yudke, Vavke, those four words will be written in bold. Again, Yom, that's the Yud. Hashishi is the Hey. Vayachulu is the Vav. Hashemayim is the Hey. So that is brought down, but even more interesting that though it's not exactly the name of God, the first time that the letters of God's name appear in a word is when it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, the word for, and there was, Vayahi, is the first time where all the letters of God's name appear in one word. Mm-hmm. And this tells us a very, very deep thing about the connection between uh, God and light. First of all, light is the first creation on the first day. That's the first thing that is created by what, what are called the ten mama wrote ten um, sayings of creation the first one that is explicit there's actually only nine by the way there's only nine and the, the Gemara says that Bereshit is an all encompassing mamar and that's, that fits in so perfect with what we're saying because what have we been saying that everything is included and not just the first day, but the first sentence and the first word. So here, we're saying that Bereshit, it doesn't say Vayomer Elohim Bereshit. It just says Bereshit. But the Gemara says that that's really the most all-encompassing of all of them. And um, for those who were here last week, the um, the Aleph Bet book. We saw a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. No, I said it's not the letters in the order. It's just the letters of God's name. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the letters of God's name. What what we learned is that these ten sayings are what's called Nipihagvura. It's very interesting. The, the different phrases are used f- with different associations. When we talk about the giving of the Torah, there's this phrase that, that is given and it's used primarily. We don't, it's more than Hashem gave the Torah. We say Mipiha Gvura from the mouth of Gvura the Torah was given. This is a, 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 a well-known 
uh, so just like it's a mourner it was Hamakom Yenachem it doesn't say Hashem Yenachem it's in certain um, uh, ways in which we describe God, God are associated with different things. So w- the giving of the Torah is usually associated with mipiha gevura, from the mouth of gevura. So what's the connection? Because we said it says vayomer elokim and kol adavarim ha'elo, and and God elokim said all of these things, and elokim is always associated with the aspect of gevura. So when it says Mipiha Guvura, it's saying it was the name Elohim that that gives through which the Ten Commandments are spoken. <coughs> but it's the same thing with creation. You say God created the world with ten sayings. And this was our first class where we talked in length about that God's speech creates. And that when it, when God says Vayomer Elokim Yehi Or Vayehi Or, when God says the word Or, then it is. God's speech is is instantaneous creation. It's very much for those who were in the previous class. It's very much like the Anita I am prayer. For, where, for, for God, speech is not something that God does, and then later on there's some manif- ramification of that speech. God's speech is instantaneous creation. And so, therefore, that's why we learned that when you look in a pay, in the letter pay, what letter do you see inside the pay? Yes. Bet. So that's what we learned that this is the bet of Bereshit. Right. In other words, it doesn't say by Yomer Elokim Bereshit. And God said in the beginning God created. Well, it's implied. So the implication is surrounding the bet of Bereshit is Mipi Hagavura. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful illusion. Right? A beautiful illusion. Okay, so we'll... Yeah, he spoke the world in, 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 into being. Yeah, so we said that there are ten sayings of creation, but really there's only nine explicitly. So the, the Talmud answers that the there's actually two opinions, but the one opinion is because Bereshit is the all-encompassing um, saying. So why did I bring this up? Is because that in the creation of light, you have and there was light for the first time. You have the letters of God's name. So this is telling us a very deep connection between light and the name Yud Kevavke, which is what's, what's called the surrounding light, whereas Elohim is the imminent light of God. Okay. Because... <laughs> 
there is the, the light of God that as it were surrounds the world so there's the light of God that fills all the world surrounds Elohim fills yeah. and you're saying that when he created light that's where he did the Yudhei the first time that the letters of the name Yudhei appear in the Torah in one word Vayahi. Oh. It's not Yudkev. Oh, okay. No, but what it, but what what is alluded to is that remember Yudkev in the sense is being shielded here, but it's there the whole time. But where is it hinted to in light? In the creation of light, you first see right, an illusion to the name of God being present in, in the creation so I want to end with a, a, a bracha and this goes back to really the first thing that we learned the first class was why are we learning this in other words all learning should have a, a, a practical spiritual uh, relevant uh, place in our lives. I mean, it, it's a mitzvah to learn Torah Lishma. Right? So it, it would be a mitzvah just to learn this just so we understand what the Torah is talking about. But on a deeper level, we, we said that by learning the secrets of Reshit, we get in touch with what we call the divine creative process. And the divine creative, creative process is the model or paradigm on which everything is based. So if one understands the, like we said, <coughs> the, the role or the dynamic of contraction and expansion, mm-hmm. and we see how it exists at every level of creation, then we can we get a handle on seeing it in our own lives and then we can start to understand what it means to be in, in the image of God and if we understand even a little bit of the divine creative process then we can get a handle on our own creative process all of these models and, and paradigms and patterns are happening inside of us. It's not something that happened a long time ago and is is virtually irrelevant to us because what what difference does it make? No, that's not how we're learning Bereshit. Bereshit is happening right now at every second. And it's not just happening out there. It's happening in here too. In, in our head, in our heart, in our soul the same forces the same dynamics so the bracha is that we can take some of these learnings which may seem like very intellectual like okay so why do I need to know this and what but if we really look deeply we'll see a divine pattern here and we'll we have to meditate upon how to make it part of our own lives how to take these patterns and understanding what's happening with how we relate to the world, how we relate to God.
And the, like the, the, the example that I brought before, which is very, very practical, is if we're learning that the whole of creation is based on sevens, and then we see it further in the first sentence of the Torah, then it should give us some motivation to really understand the Shemitah year. To really understand that we really do live in a cycle of seven years. And that we need to connect to it. So this becomes a practical uh, application of what you could say is a very ethereal idea. Okay, so all of time is based on sevens, but that's how we understand Shabbat. And once you get into the rhythm of Shabbat, then you're in a divine rhythm. So it really does matter that we understand the implications of the world being created in seven days and how that's based on an earlier pattern of the seven words because it, it trains us and makes us sensitive to see patterns everywhere. But we need to see them in our own psyche own soul to recognize our own cycles our own rhythms and then to connect those to a greater divine rhythm so we should be blessed through this learning to be able to do that Amen. Amen. Amen.